You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones, and welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with tremendous leaders all over the world about what it really takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited because my guest is Mary Crafts. And Mary is quite simply, she is a living legend. From humble beginnings and dire circumstances, she invested blood, sweat, and countless tears into building what would become the most celebrated catering company in Utah. Sounds like she paid the price of leadership. That multi-million dollar empire became the launching pad for so much more. Today, Mary has handed the reins of her empire to her incredibly gifted children who have taken her company to the next level. And while Mary is turning her attention to helping others build their dreams. And whether those dreams are centered around business, family, or personal growth, Mary is ready to engage her expertise, assets, and energy into helping others build and grow. Mary, thank you so much for being with me today. Wow, that person sounds incredible. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> I'm telling you, I am so blessed to have crossed your path. And for our listeners out there, because you're always like, how did you guys intersect? Because I'm always preaching advocates and people connect and great people connect you with other great people. Well, Mark Victor Hansen, who was on my podcast many months ago, connected me with Laura Di Benedetto, who the listeners have probably heard my interview with her, and she had turned me on to Mary Crafts. So ask all those tremendous people in your life who they can connect you with. And Mary had me on her show, I think about two weeks ago, and just so enjoyed the dialogue. And I'm just thrilled to have you as we really turn and talk about leadership. I'm excited. Excellent. I love this topic. Awesome. Well, Mary, my father wrote a speech many, many decades ago called The Price of Leadership. And he was known as a leadership expert, really pragmatic, very real, but also very motivational and very joyful. So he kind of encompassed the two sides of it. And he always told me, Tracy, if you're really going to be engaging in leadership and not just calling yourself a leader, you're going to have to be paying the price. And he outlines four key things that leaders have to be willing to pay. And the first of those is loneliness. And you and I have all heard the term, it's lonely at the top. Uh, but could you unpack for us with your storied career, and I know you're transitioning to another phase of your life right now. Could you unpack for our listeners what loneliness in leadership means? Maybe share a season where you went through, how you got through it? You know, I have a lot of people oftentimes ask me if they're cut out to be an entrepreneur, if they should be a leader. And, um, and I always compared to my life prior to this and say, you know, I worked for the state of Utah. Somebody paid my health insurance. I got an hourly wage. At the end at five o'clock, I checked out and I went home. And on the weekends, they were my own. And if that life appeals to you, then this life is not for you. Because the price of leadership truly is that you never get to set it aside mm -hmm. and say, I'm done. It's five o'clock that you never have to never say, well, I don't have to worry about who's paying my health insurance. It's taken care of. You worry not only about your own health insurance, but all of your employees and all of those who are on your team. There's a whole big piece that unless you've led something like this, you really don't have a concept of the weight of responsibility. I remember the very first time I ever drove into our parking lot and there was one car there besides mine. And I thought, you mean I'm responsible for her life? Wow. <laughs> and sorry. then when there were a hundred cars in the parking lot and no one else feels the weight of that, but mm. you, you are the only one in your organization that feels the weight of 
every single family that's there and what they're relying upon you to bring to the table. So there are so many things that happen in a leadership position that are yours and yours alone. And that it's lonely at the top because no one else is feeling those things. Mm -hmm. No one else is experiencing them the way you are. Mm -hmm. No one else feels the weight of the responsibility the way that I do. I love that. I mean, that is so valuable for those people that are thinking about it. It's also valuable for those of you working for somebody else. Take it easy on your entrepreneurial boss, because like you said, until your social security number is tied to that EIN and you sign the front of the checks, okay, and not the endorsements on the back, you really don't know. Because I, like you, worked in other where we had stock options and guaranteed retirements and they paid everything. And then you get out on your own and heavy is the head that wears the crown. And yeah. until you're there, and it's not a bad thing, but it is a very real thing. And I think I wish I would have been kinder and gentler when I was in the positions where I thought, well, anybody can do this, this leadership thing. Oh, there's so much more than just calling the shots as you so beautifully put out there. Excellent. All right. The next topic he talked about after loneliness is weariness. And as you said, I mean, you kind of can't just shut stuff off at 5 p.m. I know there's a lot of balance and stuff like that going on. But Mary, how do you stay refreshed as a leader so you can be the person that your people knew? How do you stay replenished? Yes, I'm waiting for that answer. I'm, I'm waiting. Hope you have that. No, you know, at first in the early years of my business, and when I say early years, I ran that company for 35 years. And so early years for me are anything before the year 30 mm-hmm. <laughs> is early. Right. And I thought the way to get more done in the, in the beginning, I chefed in my kitchen and I thought the way to get more done was because I was always out of time was to run between my chopping area and the stove and the walk-in cooler and the delivery van. And if you ran between each one of those, you had to be able to make up 15, 20 minutes each day. Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff like that, you would think. For This is going to sound really bizarre, but I'm going to say it. For 20 years of my business, I had four hours of sleep a night. Uh Because I thought the way to get more hours in the day was simply to sleep less and care about me more. And care about me less. Put me at the bottom. Right. Be the martyr down there. Right. And then I would have, you know, time for everyone else, all the rest of my company. Wow. And what I began to learn at year 20 was that if I began to put myself first, I know that's a bizarre concept I know. to right. people who are leading a group. But as I began to take better care of me, I became better to care for others and I began to learn what it was like to sleep six hours a night instead of four. It was an incredible opportunity for me. And I think, you know, when I began to make this change, I had pushed myself to weigh 284 pounds. I was absolutely immobile. And yet I was at the top of my field in catering. I was completely successful, but inside Never enough. And I had to always bring more, always work harder to prove to the world and myself that I was enough. And I think that the weariness stops when the self-love begins. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so what was, because Spark is my book, what was the spark where you finally said, according to the world, 
I've achieved it all. But what made you finally, because I also reclaimed my health, uh, may will be three years ago. What was the spark that made you go? No, like you said, me first, everything flows out of me. So the better I am in here, my dad always told me that you want better outer dialogue. You got to, you got to focus on your inner dialogue. And yeah. so what was it that you finally said that that's it? You know, I'm not quite sure what the exact cog was that clicked in my head. Uh-huh. I've tried to regain that. All I know is that for so many years, there was this in just foreboding of, of something else should be here. I'm missing something in life. There's something not right. Yes. And when I got the photos back from a 50th birthday party where all of those pounds were hanging on me and the sadness in my face, surrounded by hundreds of people who were celebrating me, I just sat there and wept. Mm -hmm. This is back when you went to Kmart to get your photos and not on your phone. And you got them back and very few of them actually turned out. (laughs) But there was one of me just standing off by myself And I just thought, and that's where I am, off by myself. Mm. I thought, I never thought I would be here. Mm -hmm. And I just began asking the question, how do I move away from this spot? Mm -hmm. How do I move away? And for me, I knew that I'd been on enough yo-yo diets to know that wasn't the right thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I needed to go after what the piece was that was creating that. What my fears were that was keeping me bound up. And as I began to go after those fears... People say, wow, that must have been horrendous to lose 145 pounds. I'm like, yeah, it must have been. (laughs) But it didn't seem that bad. It didn't seem that hard because I was dealing more with insight. I couldn't do surgery. I couldn't do pills because those weren't the answer to what was inside of me. Right. And so as I dealt with those fears, I just found the weight. I know this sounds nuts, but literally just going away. Mm-hmm. And yes, I went to the gym and yes, I bought a, you know, started walking outside and, and yes, I began to eat better, but they were just a natural outgrowth of letting go of the fear of not being enough. I love that. And that's one of the things people talk about with setting goals before you can move to the goal, you got to really first unlock your fear because you would have, you're driven, Mary, you're successful. You would have already hit that goal. Okay. But you got to back it up and target exactly what's going on. And, and for weariness for people, um, you know, without your health and even with what's going on with COVID, you'll um, you most likely beat it. If you're healthy, if you're not boy, it's two and three times more deadly. So, I mean, your health is one of the greatest things to help you combat the weariness of leadership because, you know, I went to war and you had to be in physical shape. Why? Because there's a, there's a physicality and a stamina to leadership. And if you don't have that, no matter how great you are up here, um, your body, we're still flesh and bones. Yeah. You know, that's um, unbelievable. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Loneliness, weariness. Now, the next thing my dad talked about was abandonment. And he, he used to tell me, Tracy, you do more in a day. I mean, not to denigrate maybe, but he'd say, most people do more in a day to contribute to their failure than they do their success. And he'd say, because we focus on like what we like and want to think about and not what we ought and need to think about. So for him, abandonment was this type of hyper-focus, the single-mindedness. And you, how do you, Mary, because you don't achieve success by focusing on a million different things. How do you abandon and stay on point? I I like the use of the word abandonment because I do think that that is, there's that sense of letting go. Yes. 
And it's not that I'm being abandoned. It's that I'm abandoning those old habits. Yes. And I remember that Stephen Covey, he lived here in my town and he wrote the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm -hmm. And he said, the worst thing in the world are post-it notes because they just allow you to organize and organize and organize all the things you have to do. And he said, but if you do use those post-it notes, make sure you only touch them once. And I thought about that at my desk. How many times I reorganized my post-it notes? I never you thought about I mean? that. Right. That I have like, oh, these are the ones I'll do today. I'll save these. And, and then, oh, I didn't get this done, so I'm going to move it over here. And you touch those post-it notes, I mean, a dozen times. And sometimes, oh, that one's no longer. So you crumpled it up. I mean, but once you pick up a post-it note to not set it down, and so what's ever on there, you do. Mm. And for me... That was a letting go mm-hmm. of what I thought was important and juggling and organizing my time was more important than actually doing it. And when I finally realized that old phrase, just do it. Right. That Nike shines through for a reason <laughs> because they just do it. Yeah. And you know, you can organize all you want you can read all the books uh, that you want to read. You can uh, listen to all the podcasts you want to read. But until you just do it and not procrastinate and not find a reason to postpone and organize those damn post-it notes again, you're not going to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Procrastination for me is you know, one of those things that I absolutely detest. I detest it in myself and actually others. I'm becoming more patient with it. But... That post-it note quote has stuck in my brain for like most of my business career and to let go of, the, of what I thought worked, organization. Mm-hmm. And organization is great, but not unless you're just doing it. Right. Well, I mean, I had never heard that before and I thought I've heard it all. Somebody else was just telling me about the seven habits of highly and said that was because we were talking about the top books that have changed our lives. And, and, and I was like, oh, that's right. Somebody brought that up. I had not heard that. But I love how you said there's a difference between a perceived and a real need. Just because somebody's pulling my attention to do something, that doesn't necessarily mean that I, this needs to get bumped up to the head of my list. And we as entrepreneurs really be, need to be conscious of our time and guard our time. Our time is valuable, you know? So the other thing I think about this idea of abandonment, and if you're an entrepreneur and you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you have to be so cautious because you don't wear all the hats. Mm. And I had to abandon the idea that Mm. I could do everything better than anyone else. Right. And that if I wasn't there, things didn't get done. Right. I had to abandon the idea that I was the only one with good ideas. I love that. And that came to me clear during the 2002 Olympics, which we had here in Salt Lake City. And I had 17 gigs a day for 21 days. And I had them organized in my brain. I had all these chefs and all these waiters and all this organization I'd put together. I had it in my brain that I would show up at the first one and make sure that was running right. And then I'd show up at the next one. I'd show up at the next one and next one and next one and next one. And next one, next one. And they would have my oversight on every single one. The first day, by the time I got to event number two, it was over. I was like, you did this without me? <laughs> and, well, what, did you, what did you do? And they said, we just did what we do. We did this and we did this and it was great. I love it. 
I had to abandon the idea that I wasn't the only one with a great idea. I know. I had to, and I had to learn to delegate because yes. you can never grow until you can delegate. Right. And it's right. easy to delegate scraping dishes. It's much harder to delegate dealing with the client. Yes. The decisions on marketing. The decisions on who's going to be your right hand. I mean, those kind of decisions, you wonder, you know, who else does those? But they're, you're the, it's lonely at the top only sometimes because you make it that way. Right. And weariness, too. I mean, to your point, you know, and there, that reminds me that one of my favorite quotes was Dan Sullivan said, you delegate everything except genius. So there's other people, but like you said, but you have to be the higher up, you have to be very intentional about your business partner and your co-leaders, but they're out there as leaders. You know what, what is your skill set? Right, right. I mean, I thought my skill set was being a chef. Right. And then I realized I can hire that. Yes. So then I moved into the front office. Yes. And then I thought my skill set was sales, because I'll tell you what, by the time I got done describing a piece of steak, that's what they wanted to have no matter what. They cut into that and mouth, okay. But you get the picture, I thought that was my skill set. But I realized I could hire salespeople. Yes. What I couldn't hire was me, mm. the visionary. I couldn't hire the person that was looking down the road at the next five years and what I wanted to create and what I wanted to be. Right. And so that's where I knew I had to be. Well, that is a perfect segue into the next and final point, which is vision. And I mean, you dovetailed right into that. My father always said, because uh, growing up as a leader, I was like, well, I'm an operations girl. Like you, I can juggle a lot of different things and make budgets and, th and beautiful things happen. But I never really consider, my consider myself a visionary. And my dad was like, Tracy, a visionary is just seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. So can, yeah. you, can you share with me then, once you realize this, how did that help you hone your vision? Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me, Mary, because my beginnings were so humble. I, I started in my condo kitchen. Mm. I had two tiny boys, one year and three year. I would put them in a little red wagon and walk around the neighborhood selling breads and cookies to my neighbors. And I always tell people, if ever you're out of money <laughs> and you need to have some cash, find two small children, put them in a red wagon. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because anybody will buy anything from me, at least in your neighborhood, you know. Right. And people said, did you ever dream that at when you started off with those humble beginnings, that this was where you'd end up with this multi-million dollar company and 250 employees and best of state 20 years in a row. And I look at them very clearly and say, absolutely. Because if you don't dream it, if you don't see it, if you don't envision it, there's no way you can make it happen. I got chills. I love it. Well, so the vision piece is so critical. You have to be able to see where you're going and mark your path. But there's another thing. You kind of have to be like Gumby. Remember Gumby, the green guy? You know, And you set your figure one direction and you have your finger pointing one way. And that's Gumby until there's a shift. And then you have to reform to Mr. Gumby and go this way. <laughs> and if that hasn't happened with COVID, I don't know what has. Right. Because my, my company, its focus was 100% the large event, gatherings 300 or more, the big destination wedding that came to Utah for the mountains, everything big. Well, there is zero of mm -hmm. that business. Zero. Mm -hmm. Not just a little, zero. 
I don't know when the next time we're going to have a gathering of 3,000 people in Salt Lake. I don't know. Right. So Gumby had to be reshaped. And before we had a minimum of 50 people. And now Gumby's holding up two fingers saying, hi, you got two, I'll work. (laughs) And you have to be flexible and you have to always be looking. And if I have given my children one gift, I believe that's what I gave them. And that is the ability to have vision, Mm -hmm. to be able to see where you're going. And then to give your very best every single day, no matter what. I'm not talking about perfectionism because perfectionism will kill you. Right. But excellence will inspire you every day and will take you to that vision that you've dreamed. I love it. And Mary, so now what is the next vision for you? I hear your kids are in the company. I know you you could talk to me in your time where you had me on your show and our introduction about how you're transitioning into this. Can you tell our listeners about the next vision for where you're going? Well, I knew when I retired that I had to have something that I could swing my legs out of my bed every morning and hit the ground with the same zest and enthusiasm energy that I had for 35 years. And it wasn't to go play golf. Right. It just wasn't. Right. And I don't have anything against golf. Right. (laughs) I want want a a cute little outfit in a bag. (laughs) But it was about something else. Right. And so as I really spent time really pondering that and creating a new vision for me. And I knew that my vision now was involving empowering myself first. Always you have to start here and then others to live a fearless life because fear is what had me by the juggle. And by being able to release that, I became empowered and unbounded. I went from sorrow to summit, which is the name of my book that's going to be published. And you know that if I can share some of that knowledge, I will have created my vision. Mm -hmm. I will have accomplished a mission. I do my weekly podcast. I've finished my book. I talk whenever I have the opportunity around the country. I just want to share with others that it is possible to do this. It really is possible to let go of fears. It is possible to change the neurotransmitters in our brain that have run the show for so many years. You're not enough. You are always a failure. You're never going to have money. You're not very good at that. Math is not a skill that women have how to truly get rid of those, reprogram your brain to say like, damn, I am a badass. (laughs) I love it, Mary. And I did it after age 50 and after age 60. I'm telling you, it's never too late. It's never too late. And I have more people. Okay, so at 57, I think I am. I have more people in my spark courses and connected with us, 50s, 60s, 70s, I mean, I think the mid mean age is like late 60s because people are like, my ticket's not punched. It's time to go on. So I just, I love what you're doing. And I love you. I'm so excited. You're like my sister. I just can't believe that we've connected. And Mary, where can people connect with you? Sure. Probably the best all-round place is on my website. So my website is marycraftsinc.com. And you'll see all about me. What I'm doing with my wellness programs, what I'm doing with Fit and Fabulous After 50, Uh, where you can find all my podcasts about my book, about where I'm speaking, how you can hire me, topics I talk on, and most importantly, my cell phone number's on there, believe it or not. I saw, no, you guys need to check out her website. I saw it on there. And we'll put that in the show notes too. That's fabulous. People can reach out to me. I'm accessible. I'm real. Yeah, you are. I'm still finding my path. 
just like everyone else. Isn't it? It's a beautiful journey. And it's even more beautiful when you have people to share it with. Like it you. is. Yeah. yeah. And you. Thank you, Mary. Anything else that has come into your mind about leadership that you would like to share with our leaders before we wrap things up and say farewell? Yep. One thing, and that is that nothing is impossible and it's never too late. Mm-hmm. If your leadership style isn't quite what you want, if your company isn't quite what you had originally envisioned, it's never too late. If you aren't living the most beautiful, meaningful life, it's yet obtainable. I was interviewing for a company uh, to represent me, represent me in the speaking world. And, they, and this was before COVID. I was 66. I'm 67 now. And at 66, they said, no, Mary, you have a lot of credentials. That sounds pretty good, but you're 66 years old. I mean, how long do you think you're going to do this? I just said squarely, well, you tell me what the power of a 90-year-old woman coming on the stage who's a badass and saying, let's do this thing, you know? And they got it that I lived a certain life before. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have as many years in this life Mm -hmm. as I did in the one that didn't work for me. So I'm living until 105. And I'm going to be productive, giving, contributing, because I truly believe what I told you. Yes. Nothing is impossible. And it's never too late. I love it, Mary. Well, Mary, I can't thank you enough. I feel like some of those things you share with me, you spoke to me. I got goosebumps a couple of times because there's some words in there of affirmation that you spoke directly to me. So I want to thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I know our listeners out there are just going to be thrilled to hear your wisdom and insights too. Thank you, Tracy. It was a delight to be here with you. You're so welcome. And for our tremendous family out there, please reach out to Mary. She's got her website. You've got her cell phone number. Connect with her if you're in any stage of your life and could use a slice of Mary crafts like we all could. Please reach out to her. Follow her. Also, if you're a fan of Tremendous Leadership, please click the subscribe button, like us, leave us a comment. We answer all our comments and we'd be honored if you would do us the honor of a five-star rating. Also, if you go over to uh, Tremendous Leadership, at the bottom of our show notes too, you can download your free copy of The Price of Leadership so you can hear all the things my father was talking about, the loneliness, the weariness, abandonment, and vision. Sounds scary. You know what? Not when you have the right attitude, as Mary so aptly put out. So thanks to our tremendous family out there. Keep on paying the price of leadership. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.